Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 1, Word of God. And I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, The Great Restoration. Amen. The Great Restoration out of the Word of God this morning. And we're going to read verses 4 through 6 in the book of Acts. This is a time where Jesus has, he's resurrected from the dead. He spent 40 days with his disciples, uh, uh, explaining things of the kingdom of God. He leads them out to the edge of the town there. And this is right before he ascends up into glory. This is their, their last few minutes with the Lord. And so let's read verses 1, uh, verses 4 through 6 in Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore will come together, they ask of, they ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom unto Israel? Amen. So as I said, this is the uh, last few moments they're spending with Jesus. <clears throat> and in fact, this is, uh, as recorded, the last question they're able to ask him. Amen. And so you think about this now. Uh, how many know... Uh, when it comes down to the, the midnight hour, we got a chance to ask one question. We don't want to ask a foolish question. We want to ask a question that's very important to us. Amen. And so what was important to the disciples was this thought of restoration. They didn't say to him, Lord, uh, where are we going to do this? What are we going to do? They said, would you at this time restore? They understood this dynamic of restoration, and they were interested in this. And so I want to look this morning at the start of restoration, because it really is very interesting. The issue of restoration was important to them. So the Bible, I mean the uh, dictionary definition of restoration says this, to give back, to return or to bring back into an existence or use or to bring back or to put back into a former or original state, to put again in possession of something. And so this thought of restoration has to do with, amen, a something that needed to be restored. They were looking at uh, the Jewish nation, and they were saying that once we were in control of our lives, once we had uh, control of our destiny, but now we're living under the Roman rule, and so they're concerned, we want to be restored to that place. Now, this thought of restoration brings us to the reality, if something needs to be restored, that means that it must have been damaged. Yeah, it must have been damaged. Now, things get destroyed because, <clears throat> a number of ways, Sometimes they get destroyed because we use them improperly. Amen. How many of you ever used a butter knife for a screwdriver? <laughs> now we know the butter knife was not made to be a screwdriver. Amen. 
And so sometimes you, you have a butter knife that has a kind of funky end on it because the screw was tighter than you thought and you kind of twisted the, the butter knife. But it wasn't made for that. And a misuse can damage things in life. Another way they get damaged is neglect. I mean, if you neglect something, it's not going to get better. Amen. It's going to get worse. Amen. You just go to the junkyard and you see all the junk laying there. Uh, things that people neglected. It begins to rust. It begins to decay. And so it's destroyed. It's no longer in its original condition. And so this thought of restoration brings us to the reality of something that's been destroyed. So I want to look first this morning at suffering loss. The disciples wanted to know when God was going to give them back power to the Jewish nation. Now you have to understand what's happening here. They had been, the, the, their heritage was, they were brought out of bondage under Pharaoh. They were given a nation. They were given the temple. They had the ark of the covenant of God. The presence of God was with them. They ate manna from heaven. They brought down the walls of Jericho. This is a powerful people. Yet now, they're under the dominion of Rome. They no longer have self-determination. They're no longer able to call the shots in their life. They have lost, amen, that power of God in their life. See, God had chosen them as his people. Genesis 32, verse 28. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men has prevailed. Before this uh, uh, wrestling of Jacob with the angel of God, uh, there was no Israel. God birthed a nation out of this man's uh, obedience to repent, uh, acknowledge his wrongdoing, and, and come clean before God. How many know that's always a good thing? To come clean before God. And so God here birthed a nation out of you, Jacob. I'm going to make a great nation. Hence comes the nation of Israel. This was God's people. And you read through the history, amen, how when Moses goes to Egypt, he brings down a, he brings down the most powerful nation in the world with a stick, amen. Moses didn't have nuclear weapons. He didn't have an arsenal of arms. He had a, a dead stick, but he had God's power, amen. And he brought down a nation. <clears throat> this was the people who crossed the Red Sea. This was a people who crossed, amen, the river Jordan and overflowed and brought down the walls of Jericho. They were a powerful people, but now they're under Roman rule. What happened? They suffered loss due to neglect. They neglected their relationship with God. You know, when you, when you neglect something, it, it decays. And so they had gotten used, amen, to their dominion, their power. And what happened was they, they began to neglect their relationship with God and it diminished their power. God's Spirit gives us spiritual power. I mean, without God's Spirit, we have no power. Amen. We're nothing without God. Amen. Man is finding that out in this generation. He's excluded God from everything and he's finding out he's nothing without God. If we're going to have power, if we're going to have victory now and in eternity, God is the power source. So how do we connect 
to God's power. What is the connection? You know, there's a power source. There's something that needs power, but you have to connect them if there's going to be a benefit to the power. What connects you and I to God's power is righteousness. Amen. And what I mean by this, one of the def definitions in the dictionary of righteousness means <clears throat> a divine or moral law or morally right or justifiable. So what he's talking about is how we connect to God's power is by living according to God's words. That's what Israel did in the beginning. God told them when they were in Egypt, listen, you're going to take blood, put it on the doorpost, and when the angel of death passes through, wherever I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover. And those who obeyed that found deliverance and came out of Egypt. So they began to obey God, live according to his word. But there came a time where they were no longer willing to do that. Isn't it interesting? When we're desperate, we do whatever God tells us, right? We, do, we want to get out of that hole. We want to get out of that pit. We want to get out of the lion's den. And we obey him. And then when we get out, amen, we get sit on our feet and we're going and we're prospering. All of a sudden, well, I don't know if I want to obey all those kind of rules that God has given me. And we begin to neglect to hear the word of God. We begin to neglect to be obedient to, to what God has spoken to us to do. And this damages the connection of power. I mean, a wire can begin to be frayed and can no longer carry the correct amount of power. You see some of the power lines, amen, some of the they're weathered, amen, the covering's gone off of them, and you're like, you know what, that looks very dangerous. It can't carry the full amount of power anymore. That's why you have things arcing and sparking and blowing up, amen, because the wires are not able to deal with the power in the correct way because there's neglect. When we lose dominion, it's because at some point we've stopped obeying God. It's not a mystery. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. When we start losing spiritual dominion, it's because somewhere in our lives, we're disobeying God. We're not hearing what he wants us to do. Amen. And when we lose that, what happens is sin and the power of sin enters into the picture. Listen to what it says in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 20. Now, this is Paul speaking. Now, when I do what I don't want to do, I am no longer the one who is doing it. Sin that lives in me is doing it. Another translation puts it this way. Now, when I do what I don't want to do, I am no longer the one who is doing it. Sin that lives in me is doing it. Amen. Actually, that's the same translation. It's supposed to be a different one. Hallelujah. But what he's saying here is that when we begin to neglect our relationship with God, the power source is diminished, and the devil takes advantage of us, and now, how I many know sin has a power? There's a consequence to sin, and there's a loss of power. Neglecting to live according to God's word produces a loss of dominion, and a loss of dominion allows sin to enter our lives. It takes control of us. I mean, no sin is not happy 
with just one foot in the door. Amen. It's like the uh, the story you you, you heard the uh, story of the the camel's nose under the tent. Amen. Now, uh, yeah, he's out there. He's out there. This guy's out in the desert. And <clears throat> he's got his tent set up, and a camel uh, comes and sticks his nose under. And the guy's like, well, "What are you doing? Well, I just want I just want to get my nose done. It's a little cold out." And uh, a little bit, after, a little bit after that, not just the nose, but the whole head is inside. Now, and then uh, uh, the head, and then the legs, and the next thing you know, the camel has the whole tent, and the guy's outside the tent. That's the way sin is. Amen. A little bit, little bit, little bit. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're on the outside looking in. The devil's running your life. You're like, hey, hey, how'd you get in there? What are you doing? You're destroying my life. Yeah, I'm in control now. See, there's a diminish power because they stopped obeying God. This is the history of the Jewish people. They begin to neglect their relationship with God. They lost the power. See, if you look back in the Old Testament, there were times when the enemy was coming and they would say, okay, go get the ark. That was the presence of God. They would go get the ark. They would bring it to the front. God would smite the enemy. They'd say, okay, put the ark back. <laughs> In other words, you know, God's like the genie in the bottle. You want to rub the bottle, bring the genie out, to take care of the problem, and then get back in the bottle. Put God back in the box, put him back in the back of the cab until we need him again. This is neglecting our relationship. We don't want to live right, and we don't understand there's a diminishing of our power there. So make no mistake about it, once sin has broken your dominion, it will break your heart and it will break your spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Proverbs says this. A person's spirit can endure sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? In other words, <clears throat> when this thing breaks you, it will destroy you. I mean, the devil doesn't play fair. He's not a nice guy. I know what he says, but he's not a nice guy. Sin will take full control of a person's life. It will no longer be a life that God designed for you. How I many know the Bible says God knew us in our mother's womb and he had a destiny for us. And as we begin to live our lives, the more we resist God and disobey Him, He gives sin rule over us, and we become a person that we were not originally designed to be. We lose that destiny when along with the original item produced at birth, we've lost something. Amen. We've lost something. Let's talk about humanity's need for restoration. Humanity's need for restoration. You know what's interesting? That people, everybody, you know, wants to, you know, uh, think that life's about a level. I'm at this level. You at that level. I'm at this level. And but how I many? I want you to understand something this morning. In the eyes of God, we're all on a level playing field. Amen. God doesn't say, "Oh man, this guy's got a whole lot more money than you." I guess. Uh, I mean, Jesus addressed this, didn't he? He says, when you throw a party and, and uh, someone comes and they have on very nice clothing, you say to them, oh, you sit up here in the front. But when someone else comes and they're not dressed so nice, you say, well, you sit here in the back. See, I'm telling you this morning, we are all on the same level. 
There's none better than the other one. It doesn't matter the parishioner or the preacher. God doesn't say, let me see your name tag. You're a preacher, okay, you sit up here. No, 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 no. We're all on the same level. And what I'm saying this morning is, we all have suffered loss, spiritually. Say, so how can you say that? Well, the Bible says it very clearly, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have, in other words, all of humanity is guilty of sin before God, and sin produces a loss of dominion. We've lost what we originally were intended to be when God birthed us into the world. And so the scriptures saying, the rich, the poor, the young, the old, the male, the female, all on the same level, we all have lost something spiritually. We've all damaged our spirit. Because we've all sinned. The proof of that is we had bondages, we had addictions, we had attitudes, we had things that we did, amen, that were an affront to God. It's all sin. And it damages the power in our life. The gospel isn't a message about what you can't do. The gospel is a message about what God wants to do. He would say, oh, if I go to church and I can't do this and I can't do that, it's all about thou shalt not. You've missed the message. That's not the message. The message is restoration. God is saying, I want to restore you. The disciples understood how important restoration was, though they were looking at it in a carnal context. But there's a spiritual component here that we need restoration in our spiritual lives. So the gospel is a message about what God wants to do, not about what you can't do. Hallelujah. So God is all about restoring. We see this in the book of Joel, chapter 2. And this re, uh, this is pertinent to you and I also. Joel, chapter 2, verse 25. This is God talking. And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. What do these insects have in common? <clears throat> the caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm, they all eat the green leaves of a plant. The green leaves are those that come out when this uh, life is beginning, right? Uh, starting to bloom, starting, and all of a sudden, here come these creatures that eat the new life. Amen. I remember, you know, even again this year, I planted my garden. Uh, everything's coming up. Amen. The tomato plants is looking good. And all of a sudden, I look out and I see all these brown spots. Begin to investigate if something's eating my garden before I get a chance to eat it. Amen. Because this is what happens. And so what he's saying, this is in the spiritual context. Because you neglected your relationship with God, these spiritual insects came in and began to eat up the new life that God was trying to give you. And you've suffered loss. But he says, listen, I will restore what the devil has done, God says, I'll restore. Oh, I know the devil came and he robbed your peace and he robbed your joy and your peace of mind. But he says, I'm God and I'm going to restore that. 
That's the gospel message this morning. Not the, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. No, no, no. The message is God says, I'll restore you. Hallelujah. Man can't do that. Only God can do that. Hallelujah. So the devil came in in the this is young stages of our life and began to devour things. Amen? Through whatever circumstance, situation we went through in life. I mean, no, life has the ability to make your heart hard. Amen? Uh, things that we did or things that were done to us out of our control, nevertheless, it began to eat up that green tender heart. And we begin to have a hard heart. We begin to be cynical. Uh, we begin to uh, put up walls. And so God is saying, I want to visit your life and I want to restore that tender heart. <laughs> oh, how I many know the world can make your heart hard? It really can. It can make you a hard individual. But God says, my desire is to visit you and to restore the tenderness of your heart. Hallelujah. I want you to notice here in this text, he says, my great army that I sent among you. Basically, this was the judgment of God. Listen, because you've neglected your relationship with me, I'm going to deal with you. And uh, when God finished dealing with us, he says, okay, now let me fix you. And let me heal you up. Respond correctly. I want to restore what sin has taken from you. God is saying, I can let you start over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many times had you said in your life, oh, if I could just start over. If I could just go to some place, I mean, I can tell you how many times I moved, amen, neighborhoods, cities, just trying to start over, amen, if I can just get a new address, I can start over, but it never worked out because I was always neglecting my relationship with God, but God says I can let you start over, I can give you a new spiritual birth, this is the miracle of the gospel this morning, church, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is the miracle of the gospel. God has said, I can make you a new creature. I can restore to you what sin has robbed. I can make you new. I don't know about you, but that's a tremendous promise. That God is saying, I can come into your life that was broken, that was uh, destroyed, that was without hope, and I can give you a new life, a new beginning. I can make all things new. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, people try to do this on their own a number of different ways. They just want to go out, well, if I can just get a new outfit, I'll feel better about myself. <laughs> they go out and they go shopping. Put on a new outfit. We get a new hairdo. But it's still you under the hairdo. <laughs> God has said, I can make you new. I can change who you are. God can put back the tenderness of our hearts. That's a miracle. In this world, where there's still injustice and unrighteousness, to have a tender heart, that's a miracle. But that's what God wants to do to us. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. 
And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. This is the gospel message. God is saying, listen, I see you. I know that you're hardened. I know that you, you have a stony heart. Not much can move you. But listen, I want to visit you. And I want to give you a new spirit. <laughs> hey, I don't know about you, but I needed a new spirit. Because my spirit was damaged by sin. I lost the connection and sin was ruling my life. I needed a new spirit. And I'm wondering, you can't buy that on Amazon. Well, you might be able to, but you won't like it. <laughs> Amen. God says, I can give you a new spirit. And then he says, I'm going to take out the stony heart. And put it in a heart of flesh. And a heart of flesh means a heart that can feel. How many of God can only move us if we can feel. That's how God directs us through the heart. And if it's hard, he can't direct us. So he's, I'm going to put it in a heart that can feel me. That can be moved by me. That can be directed by me. But it doesn't stop there. It gets even better. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 30 verse 17. For I will restore health unto thee. And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. And he said, listen, I'm going to restore. Now he's talking about in the context of spiritual. Because how I many know sin makes our spirit sick? It really does. There's a spiritual sickness that comes with sin. And he says, I'm going to heal thee of thy wounds. How I many know life of sin leaves wounds all over our spirit? A life of sin wounds your, it wounds your soul. And there's no medicine, no injection, no, nothing man has to heal a broken heart or a wounded soul. But here's God saying, I'm going to heal it. Salvation is God coming in and healing up what sin has wounded and destroyed. He says, they said, oh, you're an outcast. No one cares about you. You're an outcast, but God says, I'm seeking you. I'm looking for you because I want to do something miraculous in your life. He's talking about healing the spiritual wounds upon our spirit and our soul. The wounds you can't see with the naked eye. And we can walk down the street and see people that dress nice, they look good, but you would never know that they're a wounded soul. You would never know that the heart is broken. An outward appearance like everything's fine, but there's wounds and brokenness inside you can't see with a naked eye, but oh God's eye can see those things. And he says, I want to fix them. I want to fix those things that wounded you in life. And so we're talking about restoration. Let's look finally at a restored life. The disciples, when they wanted to know when they were going to get back power over their lives. When, we, when can we be off from under this Roman rule? And Jesus began to say to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father has in his hands. And what he was saying to them basically is, you're missing what I've come to do. See, sometimes what we want is we just want to be the top dog, right? 
Just put me on top, Lord, and then I'll know you're God. Well, God wants to do something very, very powerful. Not just in this life, but in eternity. See, Jesus, how I many know Jesus has the big picture? Usually, we're, the picture we're looking at is through a knothole of life. But Jesus has the big picture. And yes, he wanted to give them dominion in the earth, but how I many know that what God wants to do is much larger than that? <clears throat> this life we live now is but a vapor, the Bible says. It's a vapor. You blink and it's gone. Compared to eternity, this life is a vapor. And um, Jesus, what he wants to do is far larger than this life. Jesus is looking to restore humanity back to its original condition. Now I want you to think about that. What was humanity's original condition? With our, in respect to our relationship with God. Right now the Bible says as sinners we were alienated from God. But that was not the original condition. That's because we've lost something. Genesis, two, uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 uh, describes our original condition in respect to God. And the Lord God formed men out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now, I want you to notice in that scripture, nowhere did we see the word death or die. It is life and living. That was the original condition in our relationship with God. In other words, it was meant to be an eternal existence with God. Life and living. There's no death mentioned. Death did not enter the picture until when? Sin. So the restoration that Jesus wants to do is a full restoration, not just giving you dominion to live your life right now, but to restore us unto the original condition in our relationship with God, which means that we can spend eternity in His presence. Hallelujah. The relationship between God and humanity was to be eternal. God didn't make man to be disposable. See, I want to make this guy, and then we'll, we'll just make a new one next time. We'll just dispose of it. You know, I mean that we live in a disposable society. It's cheaper to throw something away than it is to repair it. He designed it that way. So people throw stuff away all the time. Man was not to be a throwaway. God made him for an eternal relationship. Amen. And we know that sin destroys that, that's when death entered the picture. <clears throat> Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, in this verse we see death. It's linked to sin. In the other verse we see life. is linked to God. God meant for you not to have an eternal existence with Him. So here's where we close out. John 14, 1 3. Jesus is saying these words, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, 
there you may be also. He's talking about an eternal existence. I know when we go to heaven, we're not going to have to sign a lease for rental. <laughs> no, it's a permanent residence. We're getting to stay there forever. Think about it. You're never going to have to move again. Hallelujah. Jesus said, my father's house, there are many men. In other words, I'm going to restore your original relationship with God and eternal existence with your creator. I know that we kind of short circuits our mind because we live in this carnal realm, but the original uh, creation of man was meant to be with God for eternity. And that's what Jesus is doing now. He wants to restore us to that place spiritually. That when we leave this realm of life and we step into eternity, we're going to be with our God forever. Hallelujah. That's the restoration we're talking about. That's the gospel message. But the devil is so twisted, people might as well, oh, I don't want to go to church. If I go to church, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't live in sin and kill myself. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, coming to church is all about God saying, listen, I want to restore you. I want to give you back what the world has taken from you. That's the restoration that God wants to do in our lives. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. and Heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment as we come before the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you could bow your head as well. And we want to let God have his way this morning. Amen. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're talking about a new start. A new restoration that Jesus Christ wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. But he can only do that if you and I will allow him to have his way in our lives. Jesus wants to do a miracle, but you're going to have to let him do that. And that starts this morning by saying yes to Jesus. By saying, Lord, I want you to restore my heart and my life. Jesus wants to help you this morning. But it starts by letting him restore that which sin is destroyed. And they will come before God and say, Lord, you know, you're right. I've, I've neglected my relationship with you. I've misused the liberty you gave me to do life my way. But God, I repent this morning. And I'm asking you to restore the years of the caterpillar and canker worm of Eden. God, I'm asking you to renew. Give me a heart of flesh. Our heads about our eyes are closed this morning. You're at home as well. You're in this place, you're in the sound of my voice. You say, you know what? I've misused what God gave me. I've used things in a wrong way and I've damaged my spirit. I've restricted the flow of God. But I want to make it right this morning. Maybe you're not saved this morning. Maybe you're not born again or maybe you're backslidden. Whatever the case may be, we're before a holy and righteous God who only wants to restore us. And 
This morning you would say, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to rededicate. Or I need to, I need God to help me this morning. Lift your hand and put it right back down. You're saying it to God this morning. Lord, hear mine. I'm coming clean, God. I'm, I'm, I, want, I want to get right before you. I want a new heart. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. Him. Do a miracle in me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Talking to the people of God then. Maybe this morning, as the word of God is going forth, you realize that you diminished power in certain areas of your life. It's because you have been neglecting to live the way God has called us to live. And the more you do that, the more power you lose, and the more control you lose over your life. So as God is dealing with you this morning, whatever the area is, you need to come before him and say, God, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this right because I want the fullness of your presence. Let's all stand this morning. The altars open if you're at home and you're not born again, but you would like to give your life to Jesus. We'll lead you in a prayer of faith. You come this morning and we're going to pray. You're watching at home a prayer of faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge this sin in my life. I'm asking you, God, to forgive me, to do a miracle in my life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for my sins. And I'm asking you, Lord, come into my heart to deliver me and set me free. In Jesus' name, amen.